Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to receive prayer for, that you'd like to talk about and get a biblical perspective on. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to greet those of you who are listening on Hope FM on the East Coast in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. We're so excited to see how God is building this family of, of stations where people are tuning in and hearing this show, Calvary Live. Again, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe you've been reading and, and some questions have come up that you'd like some help answering. That's what we're here for today. We'd love to uh, help answer those questions. And we are here to take your prayer requests. If you would like to call in with something going on in your life that you'd like to receive prayer for, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call or text us. The number to call, 303 Six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We also want to greet those of you who are tuning in on the internet and through the mobile app. So we have a great mobile app here at Grace FM. We'd love for you to get it. If you don't have it yet, just type in Grace FM as one word in the search bar of your app store on your phone or tablet. And the Grace FM app will come right up. It's totally free. And you can put that on your device. And then you can listen wherever you are in the country or even in the world. We regularly have listeners uh, tuning in from, from different parts of the world and from all parts of the country every single day. And so we are so glad that this technology is available and that God is using this show to help people uh, you know, answer questions about the Bible and help give direction and speak into people's lives over the air. We uh, also are available, if you just go to gracefm.com in your browser or on your computer, um, you are able to tune in there, and um, you can just type in gracefm.com and go there, and then there's a Listen Live button. Um, actually, I just see that we have some listeners right now. I just got a live update of where people are tuning in from. looks like we have all parts of the U.S., um, you know, from Texas to Washington to New York to California, and of course a lot in Colorado, and it looks like Illinois. But we also have some interesting ones. We have somebody listening right now in South Korea, and we have somebody listening in South Africa. It looks like this South African listener is a regular listener. So hey, if you're listening from South Africa, from Johannesburg, South Africa, 
text us. We'd love to hear from you and uh, love to pray for you. The text number is 720-336-0897. You can also call us if that's possible at 303-690-3000. But so cool to see how this technology is being used and that uh, God is using it. And so we hope this show is a blessing to you wherever you're tuning in from. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM and on Truth FM, you are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind, but do give us a call or text us. We'd love to take your call or your text on the air, and then you'll have the unique opportunity where a week later you're able to tune in and hear yourself on the air. Just a few words about myself, and then we'll go to our callers. Um, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And um, hey, if you are in Longmont or in the surrounding area, maybe in any of the surrounding towns like Berthet or Lyons, Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, or Erie, Lafayette, Boulder, uh, Niwot, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Whitefields. Um, so just consider this a personal invitation to come and be part of what God is doing at Whitefields. We'd love for you to come and I'd love to meet you personally. Um, our church is located in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So Longs Peak and Kaufman, northwest corner, and our address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We're just right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. We're just directly south of the downtown park and ride. And like I said, we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. And we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And we would love for you to worship with us. So we, our church meets on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we have a great children's ministry, just really able to minister to your whole family. A great worship ministry. Currently, we're studying through First Peter. Actually, studying through First and Second Peter, but so far, we're still in First Peter. We're doing about a half a chapter at a time. This coming Sunday, we're going to be in First Peter chapter 2. And we're going to be talking about how to live as free people. I think this is a really interesting topic, right? Because Paul the Apostle says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And yet many people, I think, when they think about Christianity or faith in God or really giving your life over to God, they don't equate that with freedom. They actually, many people, especially people who aren't Christians, tend to equate that with a loss of freedom. And maybe that's what keeps some people from really submitting their whole life to God, is that they're afraid that if they do so, they will lose all their freedom. And so, and yet, it tells us in the Bible that this is the way to be truly free. So what is, how does that work? Like, how does it work to be truly free and yet be a servant of God who gives your whole life over to God and calls him your Lord? Paul, uh, Peter says this interesting phrase here in First Peter chapter 2. He says this, Live as people who are free, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. And that's interesting, right? So how do we live as servants of God, and how does that make us free? We're going to be talking about that this coming Sunday at Whitefields in Longmont, and we'd love for you to join us if you're in the area, or if you know somebody in our area, send them our way. We'd love to have them and welcome them and worship with them. Let's go ahead and go to our first caller, George in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, George. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Um, yes, I wanted to ask about um, God. I know I shouldn't question what he does, but why, if he can't look upon evil, why does he let Satan up there in his realm to accuse us and to accuse Job? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And, um, you know, I think here's the thing. God can't have fellowship with evil, right? So we know that, like, I think a great passage um, in this regard is Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, which talk about how, um, you know, it says that our our sins have kept God from hearing our prayers, right? Or here, here's another one, Habakkuk 1. 13 it says you are of pure uh, purer eyes than to behold evil you cannot look on wickedness yeah. and yet he deals with those of us who have sin in our lives and how does that happen because here's the thing we do see that god does interact with sinners so so i'll give you two answers real quick one is god doesn't have fellowship like intimate fellowship with things that are uh, evil and yet it we do see that God does interact with sinners, right? We see him talking to Adam and Eve after they've sinned in the garden. We see God speaking through sinful people and to sinful people several times in the Bible. And so there clearly is a difference between God interacting and God having fellowship with evil. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Well, I hope that helps. God bless yeah, you, George. Thanks for your thanks for your call. I love how I love how I hear in your in your heart, you know, that you're wanting to interact with the scriptures and and understand them. So God bless you in that. Okay, thanks, Pastor. All right, bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Give us a call three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Jess in Sacramento, California. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. Hi. Um, my question is, um, my sister, she's older than me, and, uh, you know, she's in Singapore right now. So she's got a 24-year-old son that has been recently diagnosed with, uh, with uh, HIV positive. And my first reaction was like, like you know, I mean, I'm not surprised because of the, the lifestyle. Um, like, looking back, I, I read in the Proverbs that um, we need to discipline our children. So, you know, through all our lives, like whenever she has a problem with the children, she calls me so I can kind of like talk to them or scold them or whatever. Um, so now I'm going to see them and it's feeling off. Like, I don't know what to do. And at the same time for her, I mean, she's heard it from me. I've been telling her, you have to discipline your kids. but. For her, it's like if she disciplines her kids, they're not going to like her, they're not going to love her. She's so soft and, you know, kind and everything, but there's no discipline. Um, how can I approach this? Yeah, I think the best way for you to do it is, is with some of the things that the Proverbs say. For example, you know, clearly the reason she's not disciplining her children is because she's afraid that they will not love her or that they will reject her if she does. Yeah. But... But here's the issue. Discipline can be and ought to be loving. Right? It even says in the Bible that um, God disciplines us, chastises us, the word it uses, because he loves us. And it says in the Proverbs, a person who doesn't discipline their son or their daughter, right? They, they hate their child. Now, clearly, your sister would never say that she hates her children. In fact, she would say that she loves them so much that she's afraid of losing them. Yep. There can be a degree to which if you are so afraid of losing something that you are willing to 
to not do what is right or even to do what is wrong, that that thing, that's a, that's a major indicator that that thing has become an idol in your life. And the yeah. thing about idols is that they promise us good, but they never deliver. In fact, they end up destroying us in the end. And so I would try to appeal to your sister on this level. Number one, to really love your children will be to help them be disciplined. Because if you don't, you're setting them up to hurt themselves. You know, you're not teaching them the principles that they'll need to be successful in life and to be successful in walking with God. And secondly, so, so first of all, if you really love your children, you will discipline them. Um, secondly, I would, I would start to talk to her about this idea of, you know, what is this relationship she has with her children? Is she hoping that her relationship with her children will give her the fulfillment that ultimately she needs to find in God? Because when you find that, what it does, it makes you almost like, I like to use the word bulletproof, makes you almost invincible. There's nothing that can happen in your life that can take away what we have in Jesus, right? The treasure, the love, the hope, the salvation. There's nothing in this life that can take that away. Not our children rejecting us, not our children, um, you know, going, going astray. Nothing in life can take that away from us if we have that secure in Jesus. And so that's, that's what insulates us from creating idols, which will in turn destroy us over time, is for us to, you know, identify, okay, what is it in my relationship with my kids that I am looking for that is keeping me from doing the right thing. You see, yeah. and, and well, then that's showing how she was her. Brought up faster. Mm, okay. My mom brought up, brought her up that way, very, very enabling, like all the way. So it's probably hard for her to do something different because that's what she knows. Yeah. Enable kids. Right. But yeah. it sounds like you, you have been able to move past that yourself. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that when I was a kid, and I'm like, I don't want to be like that. Right. That's why I'm, I'm, complete, I'm the complete opposite of how, you know, how she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's really kind and nice and sweet to everybody. Everybody likes her. She's just gentle and everything. And um, so now here, and I was just wondering, Pastor, is there something, can I record what, you answered or is there a way for me to get this uh the transcript of this um of this broadcast so i can send it to her yes and i'll say this for you and for all of our other listeners this is a really great question one that's been asked a lot so it's a good thing to bring up and that is that you can get these episodes on itunes or apple podcasts so they're they're okay. broadcast and usually what happens is they get uploaded in a bulk usually at the weekend so they're not uploaded every day but if you okay. wait about a week, you'll find the episode from this day up on Apple Podcasts. And you can, uh, if, you know, if you have an iPhone, also you can subscribe. Even if you have an Android, there are apps you can use, podcast listening apps that you can subscribe. When new episodes are posted, they'll give you a notification. And you can also just go on there and search for certain days and just download them. But you can also do it on the website. So just go to Apple Podcasts and then search Calvary Live. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor. Can we pray for me? Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray for Jess. I pray that you give her wisdom with how to reach out to her sister. I pray you give her wisdom with the right words to use. Lord, maybe some stories to use from the Bible that are going to show her why this is so important. 
and why it's not just important to do the right thing, but it's actually the most loving thing for her kids. Lord, I pray that the kids would be responsive to it, and I pray that um, this would actually lead to a deeper, more meaningful relationship between Jess's sister and her kids than, um, than the enabling or not speaking up has done. So I pray, Lord, you give just wisdom and bless her as she has this conversation. But ultimately, Lord, that it would be a blessing for these kids in question. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Thank Jess, you, I, had, I had one more thought. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with talking about it after I let you go, if you'd like. But one, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to listen. Okay, yeah, one story I would suggest that you look into and that you bring up for your sister would be the story of David in Second Samuel. And how David dealt with his kids. Very very much David was a passive father. And it ended up really ruining his family. And ultimately ruining some of, not just his kids, but his relationships with his kids. It was all around devastating. And, um, and actually, really a lot of the Old Testament in the narrative portions is the story of, of people who were people of God, but yet they failed their families. But I think David's story is particularly relevant here. Um, because here's what happened in Second Samuel. David had a bunch of kids, right? And so there was one of his kids who got weird with his sister, is his half-sister, and he ends up kind of like forcing himself upon her. And, you know, this is a time where David shouldn't have let that happen in the first place. But after it happened, how does David respond to it? And you can see the way he responds to it is that he doesn't discipline his son. He doesn't do anything. And the daughter feels abandoned by her father, that her dad didn't stick up for her. And then the other siblings look at this and they're like, how could our father let this happen and just do nothing about it and just pretend like everything's fine? And so what happens is that another one of his sons, Absalom, ends up feeling this kind of righteous anger, which uh, we look at it at first and we say, okay, actually, maybe we can sympathize with Absalom's feelings because what his dad did wasn't right. He was too passive. He just let this happen and there were no consequences whatsoever. Anyway, what that leads to in the end is that Absalom grows bitter against his father and then he ends up leading a rebellion to overthrow his father from the throne and steal the kingdom from him. And uh, it ends up just being a huge mess. So everybody loses in this situation. You know, David loses, Absalom loses, his daughter loses, the other son gets killed. I mean, nobody wins. So I would just yeah. uh, maybe use that story as an example of, of what happens when there's too much passivity. Yes, I agree, because that's the same feeling that uh, my niece has towards his brother and towards, uh, towards her mom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the niece, my niece is really working so hard, she's doing great, and, you know, when she sees that... Um, her, bro her brother gets away with a lot of things, she really feels angry and, you know. Yeah. Well, may yeah, God give you wisdom with how you speak to your sister and hopefully, you know, we want what's best for the kids. So. Thank you so much, Pastor. Have a great weekend. God you bless. Bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines. It's a great time to call in. If you have a question about the Bible or something going on in your life or a prayer request, call us at 303 690 3000. 303 690 3000. 
or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Anita in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Anita. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? Doing great. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I, um, I'm a little bit sick, so you have to excuse my voice. <laughs> um, so I'm curious. Um, I had a different question, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm totally kind of over that subject. But um, I was thinking of something else, also that um, about the Bible. So Jesus had told Mary not to touch him because he hasn't yet went up, hasn't descended up to the Father. Okay, but yet when he showed himself to Peter and Peter didn't believe it was him, he told him to touch his hand and his sight. Okay, so remind me of the first one. Uh, what was the first um, thing you said? At, at the tomb, when Mary okay. wanted to, uh, Mary Magdalene wanted to cling to him, and he told her not to touch him. Oh, okay. Because he hadn't yet um, um, descended to the Father for her okay. not to touch him, but yet when he showed himself to, uh, to you know, because Peter was always doubting, he told him to touch his hand and to touch his side. Okay. So why, he told her not to touch him, but he told Peter to, to touch his hands, to touch the, the wounds. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm just looking this up right now because I, I want to get the context right. Um, so that's in John chapter 20. And it says, yeah, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And it's what's interesting is that both these instances happen in the same chapter. Yeah, so it says that, um, so here's, here's what it says. I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary went away and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then, yeah, later down there, um, Thomas is doubting and Jesus comes and to cure his doubts, he tells him to put his finger here and see my hands. Okay, two things that I'll point out real quick that hopefully answer your question. Um, the first one is this. When Jesus is saying, don't cling to me, to m what I'm understanding is that he's not just talking about not touching him, but I would assume that, you know, having seen him die, that she's like grabbing him, right? That, um, grabbing him, not wanting to let him go, like holding on to him. And what he's telling her is, hey, listen up. I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but I'm going to ascend to the Father, which means, hey, we've got a short window of time. I want you to not just stay here and, and hold on to me. I want you to go and, and do this mission, which is to tell the disciples that you've seen me re uh, resurrected. When it comes to Thomas, there are two things. Not only is Jesus curing Thomas's doubt by letting him put his fingers in the wounds, but he's showing Thomas and us that he is not a ghost. He's not an apparition. He is a physically resurrected person. So I think there's two reasons going on here. The reason he does it for Thomas is because he wants Thomas to see that he's not a not an apparition, that he's a physical person, and also to cure Thomas's doubt. Mary doesn't doubt. That's not the reason she's touching Jesus. In fact, it doesn't even use a different word for touching, right? So in the one it says, um, put your fingers here and see these things, where, where for 
Mary, she's clinging to him, not just in the sense of touching him, but in like grabbing on and not wanting to let go. Right. So, okay. does that make sense? Oh, yes. And I think there's a good application there for us, which is this, you know, Jesus is saying to her, look, there's a short window of time in which we have an opportunity to do one thing, which is to go talk to the disciples for people to see that I'm resurrected. It's not going to last forever. And likewise, I think that you and me live in a time where we also have a short window of time that's not going to exist forever. And our short window right. is until Jesus's return, we have this window of time in which we can do things which when we're in heaven, we're not going to be able to do. We won't be able to preach right. the gospel when we're in heaven. We won't be able to relieve the needs of others physically when we're in heaven. And right. so let's use the time that we have now, not just to cling to Jesus. I mean, certainly to worship him, but not just to cling to him, but to carry out the mission he's given us. Right. Okay. All right. I just thought maybe it had meant something totally different because maybe she was unclean and she should not be touching him or something. Uh -huh. I've always thought that when I read that. So it's interesting um, thought, that, you know. Yeah, that she, he's ready to go to the Father, and you're unclean. So, like, don't touch me. And I don't uh, know. That's just the way I always took it every time I read that passage. I'll tell you why I don't think that's the case. Because um, you know, we could just say, "Yeah, maybe," and move on. But I think there's actually something here that's not that that's not the case. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, in, in different times in the Bible, he wasn't afraid of being touched by unclean people. Which is really interesting, because the Pharisees were. You remember? They were always worried about touching a Gentile on accident, or touching somebody right. who was unclean. And Jesus went up, and he touches lepers. Which is right. like, wow, what's going on here? Why is he doing this? This woman with the bleeding issue, remember that? She's unclean, right. ceremonially. Right. And Jesus isn't upset that an unclean person touched him. He rather asks her the question. He says, I feel that power went out from me. And he turns to her and he blesses her because she had the faith to reach out and touch him. And then, you know, there, there are other instances where Jesus touched a dead person. I mean, that's as unclean as it gets. And what's so incredible in the Bible is that Jesus has this holiness and this power about him that when he comes in contact with things that are unclean. It doesn't make him unclean, but he makes the unclean things become clean, which is so yeah. cool, right? And that's okay. what happens yeah. to us when we come to Jesus. He doesn't say, get away, you're unclean. Okay. Rather, he says, right. come and let me touch you, and I will make you clean. And that's, isn't that the right. gospel? That's so cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, then. Cool. Hey, thank you for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got a few callers on the line, but we are going to our break in about one minute time. So let me give you the numbers to call. It looks like we have one open line for you to call in on. And right after we get back from the break, we'll go to the other callers who are on hold right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I saw that we had one caller who didn't want to be on the air. She didn't want her question on the air, but her question was, "What happens to people who commit suicide? What happens to them?" 
Well, that's a great question. Probably one that's uh, more than we have time to answer within uh, 60 seconds, but I'll do my best to give you a few quick answers and maybe we can answer more uh, if someone else wants to talk about it. But here's the quick answer that suicide uh, is a form of murder, right? So you're committing murder against yourself. So that's clearly a sin. Now the question is this, can you be forgiven for a sin that you commit uh, right at the end of your life? Or is the fact that Jesus died for all of our sins on the cross, is that past, present, and future? Does that mean that even if we die in a moment of darkness, that even that sin can be forgiven if our faith and trust is in Jesus and not in ourself? And I believe the answer to that is yes. I believe I have a high view of atonement and what Jesus did for us. So I hope that answers your question. Apart from Jesus, there, there is no hope, but in Jesus, there's so much hope. We'll be right back after this break in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or with your prayer requests. We'd love to Answer your questions and pray for you. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Edgar in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Edgar. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What's up? Yeah, I'm just calling. Um, I just need some advice on uh, marriage. Uh, me and my wife been together for 13 years. Uh, we have two kids, and it feels like... Um, our marriage is falling apart. Uh, we don't know if we're going to go through a divorce, but I just want to know how, how do how do I know if this is from God, if God wants me to um, stay with my spouse? Um, yes, there were some stuff that, there was some stuff that happened between us. Um, she's, she's, uh, we're living together still, but she uh, told me today, she said, um, she's like, how do, how do I even know that God wants us together? How do I even know that this is from God? Um, We've been Christians for uh, ten years. Uh, we felt God's presence. We've been in church for a very for years, and uh, we're just in a point of our life where, if this is from God, should we split? And um, she told me uh, earlier, and uh, she and I, um, she told me she like I don't think I feel anything for you anymore. I don't think I, I love you anymore. So I just want to know where the Bible stands and all this, and what where God can point me towards. This, mm-hmm. this problem that I'm having. Yeah, Edgar, that's a great question for you to ask. You know, I love that. I wish that more people would ask that question. What does God want me to do? And what does the Bible say? The good news is there's really clear answers on this question. They might not be easy answers, but they're going to be good answers and clear answers. And that's this, that God says that marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime until death do us part. Right? That's why we take those vows. So interesting, these vows that we take. I like, personally, whenever I do a, a wedding, I like to use the traditional vows because the traditional vows are not promises that you make to each other. They're actually promises that you make to God. It's a vow that you make to God that I'm going to love this person in, uh, you know, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. So help me, God. I will do that until death do us part. And... um 
Edgar, so here, here's the long and short of it. The Bible says that mm -hmm. God hates divorce. And so is God in this and wanting you to get divorced? I believe the simple and clear answer is no. I believe that what God wants you to do is for you to work on your marriage. And here's the other thing. If you don't feel anything, that's okay because that was never a prerequisite in the Bible for marriage. It was never a prerequisite for staying in a marriage was if you feel you know, affection or love towards your spouse. Rather, what we would say is that the Bible teaches that love is a verb. And the reason we know that is because Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that Jesus loved, that we're called to love our spouses in the ways uh -huh. that Jesus loved us. And how did Jesus do that? Was it just in words only? Was it a feeling that he had? Or was it in actions? And the Bible would say it's definitely in actions. That he laid down his life and gave it up for us. And I would just encourage you to think about that. I mean, really meditate on that thought because, you know, do you think that that was hard for him? Absolutely. Do you think it was painful? Yeah. Do we always love him back? No. And, um, and so here's what I want to tell you to do for not, there's several reasons for the sake of the kids, for the sake of your wife, but most importantly, for God's sake, I want you to pursue reconciliation with your wife and staying married because I do believe this is God's will for you. Uh, I was just reading today in First Peter chapter 2, and there's this, this place there where it says to live the life that God called us to live, and it tells us why. It says, for God's sake. That's really interesting, right? So he's not yeah. telling us to do it for, for our own sake, for the sake of anybody else. He's saying, live this way that God's calling you to live, for God's sake, you're doing it unto Him, if not for anybody else. Okay. And um, yeah, okay, I understand that. And yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a do that. And um, wh um, what would you um, what can you give me advice or anything spiritual wise? If if uh, I I pray to God that my marriage stays together. I really love my family. I love my wife. But um, if my wife doesn't want anything no more, what's like I want to put it in God's hands because I really want to make it work with her. That's why I'm calling. Yeah. But I mean, she told me that earlier. She's like, I don't feel anything for you, which I understand ex exactly what you just told me. Um, is that can that be deceiving from saying? Does um, I know she told me this earlier today. She said, um, like if God wants me to be happy, um, if we're not happy, um, God wants me to be happy. So why are, like our marriage ain't that great and stuff? So I don't know what advice I can tell her on that or something, but. Yeah, I, no, I, I actually am teaching a, a, on that topic a little bit this Sunday. And here's, here's the issue. Does God want us to be happy? Yes. But here's the other thing. You know, Jesus also called us to die to ourselves, right? To lay down our will and to surrender to his will. And sometimes that doesn't feel happy in the moment. But here's the thing. If we do live God's way and do these things, we will be happy in the long run. And God definitely has the long-run view of our happiness in mind, not just the short-term view. You know, it, if I did what makes me happy all the time, man, I, I would never pay my bills. I would never, you know, do anything that's good yeah. for me whatsoever. So sometimes I do things that aren't enjoyable in the moment because they lead to lasting and greater happiness. And so that's okay. what I would tell your wife. Uh, but here's the other thing I would tell you. If your wife you know, has decided that she's going to move in this direction. 
here would be my approach. I would tell her, hey, I'm going to fight for this until, the, until our marriage breathes its last breath. You know? And here's the thing, though. I, I think that, um, you know, and maybe she won't, but I'm pretty confident that your wife is going to respond if you start really pursuing her. Maybe she won't. And if she doesn't, then you put that in God's hands and you say, okay, you know, I'll accept whatever your will is for my life and I submit my life to you wholly. But I would guess that if you start pursuing your wife, it's not going to happen overnight. That's the other thing I'm going to tell you, Edgar. It's not going to change within the next 48 hours, maybe not even within the next several weeks. But you keep that up. And here's here's the, what I would say. is that I'd say that your wife's feelings, anytime really any of us have these feelings toward another person, those feelings are what we call like a lagging indicator. And what that means is that like, it's a long-term game. In other words, if you start doing things now, you may not see the results of those things for months, but you will see the results, I do believe. So I would just okay. encourage you, be in this. This is a marathon. It's not a, it's not a dash. So be in it for the long haul. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and hope that she loves you back. And if she doesn't, then you deal with that then. But until the last breath of your marriage, I want you to fight for it and to love your wife. Okay, I, I can do that, man. And if you could just pray for me and my wife. Absolutely, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I pray for Edgar and I pray for his wife. Lord, I thank you that you brought them together. You give them two wonderful children. I'm sure that they both love so much. Lord, for your sake, I pray that Edgar would honor you in his life and his marriage. Lord, give him the strength, even when it's hard, even when it's not reciprocated. Lord, would you fill him with so much of your love that it just overflows out of his life into his wife and into his kids and that she would see, Lord, that you're working in his heart and that he is a changed man as he is pursuing you, Jesus. I pray that you would let her see that. I pray you'd soften her heart towards him and, Lord, that this marriage would turn around and that the next time we talk to Edgar on the phone, it will be him calling in with a great testimony of what you did in his marriage and how you saved his marriage. So, Lord, would you please bless him? Would you please give him the strength that he lacks? Give him the endurance that he needs to do these things for your sake and for his kids' sake and his wife's sake. Lord, please bless him and his family, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet, Edgar. Hey, I want you to call me back when things turn around, okay? I sure will. Thank you, and have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Kay in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Kay. Welcome to the program. Hi, Kay. Are you there? This is okay, it looks like you just cut out on me. Well, Kay, if you can hear me, um, I'd love to talk to you. If you can't, or if you got cut off, which it sounds like that might be what happened. Um, Do you hear me? Yes. Is this okay. Kay? Yes, yes. Thank you. Hi, Kay. Hi, and thank you so much for, for this program and and when, when you're finished um, uh, helping me with, with my uh, concern, please give me the address or, or website I'd like to send a donation. Oh, yeah, you bet. So what was your question? 
Uh-oh, I think I lost you again. Okay. Okay, it looks like I have your question written down here. So if you can hear me, then I, let me know. I can hear you. Let okay. me, uh, let's see. Can you hear me now? I can hear you just fine. Oh, okay, great. So what was your so question? Do you want to, okay, I, I, I wanted to know about women covering their heads in church and not wearing pants, because I, I went to an apostolic church for the first time in my life last Sunday. I really, really like this church, but I don't understand um, why women should cover their heads and not wear pants. And I don't know if this is something the women practice all the time in their lives or just in church. And yeah. a few people I talked to said, yeah, women are supposed to cover their heads. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, so where they're getting this from is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage you to go read those passages. But... Okay. Let me give you some insight on them, because I think that just reading the passage alone maybe isn't going to totally help you unless you know some other background. Okay. So what Paul says in this, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he's talking about women coming to church and praying or prophesying with their head uncovered. Mm-hmm. And specifically, then he talks about, and here's the key verse, and this is what a lot of people miss. In verse 3, he says this, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. And so then he goes into this whole thing about authority in our lives and about what we communicate with the way that we dress. And here's what a lot of people miss. They just read this and they directly apply it to our lives today. But -hmm. what they miss is why this mattered. Why did Paul care about women covering their heads? And why does he mention in verse 3 this issue about husbands being the heads over their wives and the covering for their wives. So here's here's the issue. He talks about women praying with their hair uncovered. Mm-hmm. Now, at this time, and even like, so I lived for 10 years, I lived in Eastern Europe, in Hungary. Mm-hmm. And over there in the really traditional parts, they have this tradition still to this day, where if you are a married woman, you wear a head covering to indicate that you're a married woman. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not done in the big cities much anymore, but it is done in the villages and rural areas, the traditional parts. But that was really the case when it came to um, the life back in the time, you know, first century. We're talking Greek mm-hmm. society. So here's what was happening. Women were coming into church and praying, you know, they weren't wearing their head coverings. It would mm-hmm. be kind of like if uh, a, a woman or a man went to church today and for some reason decided to take off their wedding ring before they came to church. It would be weird. And why would you yeah. do it? Well, you know, I I can only assume why you would do that, right? So, yeah. So this was the issue at Paul's time, that women were doing this, and Paul was encouraging them, hey, this isn't good. Like, you shouldn't be going to church and uncovering your head. Rather, I want you to respect your husbands in the church by, you know, showing that outward sign that you're a married woman, as opposed to communicating that you're available, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where this comes comes from. As far as the pants thing, I think that that's mm-hmm. a whole different issue. You might remind them that, you know, I would remind them that men at the time when the Bible was written didn't wear pants either. So does that mean <laughs> men can't wear pants? 
it becomes this thing where you wonder, are they clinging more to a tradition uh, mm -hmm. that, that has nothing to do with the Bible? Or okay. are they clinging to a real biblical principle? Now, on the one hand, they might say that what they're clinging to is, um, you know, for women to be feminine and for men to be masculine. In other uh -huh. words, that this is how God created us to be. The only problem with that is that these things that are they're bringing up with the wearing pants versus wearing dresses or hats or head coverings, mm -hmm. these are all cultural expressions of uh, these things. So are we going to major on the principle, which is that we do believe that there's a distinction between men and women and we want to celebrate those differences rather than, uh, you know, let's say water them down? Or uh -huh. are we going to um, major on specific cultural expressions of those principles? Uh -huh. And in my opinion, that's what they're doing. Uh, the okay. okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, I hope it helps. I, I was uncomfortable. And, and I, I can't see, I don't like anything on my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I, I really don't want to tell you to go to this church or not go to this church. I would just say be aware of the issue. I'm know, not consider... comfortable. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. comfortable. I mean, as as far as me um, participating in in the manner that they are worshiping God, um, like you said, this is a, a cultural tradition. Seems like they're doing cultural expression. Right. But, um, of a principle, which I, I do agree mm -hmm. with. So, uh, Kay, I appreciate that question. I pray that God gives you wisdom with, with finding you. a church. And let me give you the Thank website. You. So you're yeah. you're listening on Hope FM because you're listening um, in Baltimore. So yeah. I'm going to give you the website because this show is actually broadcast on three different stations. Super. But your local station is called Hope FM, and the website mm -hmm. is hopefm.net. Wonderful. And you can go on there and make a donation. I will. Thank you so much. Awesome. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. God bless you. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to our next caller, Kristen in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the program. Oh, I think we lost Kristen. Okay, so we're going to go to our next caller, who is Marlon in Maryland. Hi, Marlon. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Pastor. Uh, first off, I want to say I'm a firm believer in the Lord and Jesus Christ. And I wanted to ask you a question. Well, really, two of them. One was uh, when man decided to build a tower able to go to heaven, that was an impossible feat anyway, wasn't it? Yes. So, so what, what they... Well, let me tell you a little bit about that story. I think that there's one aspect of that story that a lot of people overlooked. Uh, they overlook and they miss the point of the story a little bit. I'm going to give yeah. you uh, some insight, hopefully, into this story. So it's found in Genesis chapter 10, the story of the Tower of Babel. I'm sorry, that's Genesis chapter 11. Okay. And I want you to kind of remember the um, context of what happens directly before that. And what happens directly before this, I mean, several generations pass by, but the previous story to this one 
is the story of Noah and the flood. And you remember that the flood was, was destroyed the earth, and except for the people who were in the boat, right? Right. So there's an aspect of this which is really interesting. There's two issues that they say they're trying to deal with. One, Well, specifically, they say they're trying to deal with one issue, and that is this. They want to make a name for themselves. Okay. And they want to um, not be dispersed over the face of the earth. So they felt like, oh, man, you know, as the population is growing, you know, we are starting to spread out and we're going to end up dispersed and we're going to end up, you know, losing our identity as we disperse over the earth as the population grows. So they thought what we need to do is we need to stick together and create an identity for ourselves. Here's the issue. They wanted to do it apart from God. And here's the most striking aspect of the story that everybody I, I've talked to, uh, with a few exceptions, um, everybody kind of grazes over this. But here's what it says. They build this tower, and what they use is they, it says they use brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. So bitumen is a oil-based product, right? So it's like petroleum-based product. So what that means is it's made from oil, which is waterproof. So think about this. God just destroyed all the people on the earth with a flood. And now what, what are they doing? They're saying, well, we're going to build a tower that stretches to the heavens. And mm-hmm. that way, if God destroys the earth again, if God judges sinners again, we will be able to save ourselves by going up in this tower that's covered in this waterproof you know, mortar. And we will be spared from the judgment of God. In other words, what they're trying to do is to save themselves to give themselves an identity apart from God and to spare themselves from the judgment of God. You know, in other words, they're not submitting their lives to God. They're Uh, trying to say, we're going to live apart from God. We're going to do our own thing. We don't need God. And if he tries to judge us again for sin, well, we've created a way to save ourselves from that too. And I'd say in this case, this is a very relevant story for our day and age today. So many people believe, hey, I don't need salvation or whatever because you know, I, I, I can save myself. I've got my own identity. I don't need God. That's exactly what we see with the Tower of Babel, and God didn't allow it to exist. Okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you one other question. When the uh, Jewish people were leaving from Egypt, and they say God went before them in a cloud, mm-hmm. uh does God ever come? I mean, does he talk to modern man like that? Does he, I mean, you know, I oh, mean, does God he... ever show up in that way still? Yeah, yeah, I mean, not that we know of. But here's the thing. It seemed that, that this was very clear to them, that this was not just a normal cloud. There are plenty of times in the Bible where we see things that happened at one time that didn't continue to happen, you know, repetitively throughout history, even into our modern time. And one of the explanations that I would give you for that is found in Hebrews chapter 1, where it talks about how God spoke and revealed himself at different times in different places. And he did it in different ways. But in these last days, he has revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. And so we don't have a cloud going before us to show us the way. Rather, God gives us his Holy Spirit within us to guide us and lead us. Does that make sense? Rather than giving us manna from heaven, he gives us Jesus, who is the true bread from heaven that satisfies our souls. Okay. Thank you. 
You bet. I'm going to let you go because we got one more caller. But God bless you and thank you for calling in. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to our next caller, Nick in Littleton, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, Tasha? I'm doing great. What's up? So I got a quick question about um, a relationship that I've been in um, with a woman who, on and off, we've been on and off, and as of right now, we're I'm kind of in the, the friend section of things right now. Uh, we've been meeting for coffee on and off. Uh, we were pretty close for about a year and a half, but as of through that time, it was kind of nebulous as to um, the vision of long-term commitment. And at this point, uh, I'm kind of curious about if I should continue to pursue her though she doesn't um, have a sense of committing right now uh, without putting, you know, I'm, I guess the real question is, is just I, I want to be able to guard my heart um, and to not put myself out there and to continue to pursue a woman that I have not made a covenant commitment to. Yeah, no, I get it. Here's the thing I would tell you. I would just, you need to have a conversation with her in which things get really clear. Your intentions are clear. That's going to be good for both of you. And, and then you're able to find out, okay, is this something she wants or something she doesn't? And if she's not even able to answer that question, then I think that a non-answer is an answer. And I, I like what you're saying, Nick, is that you want to be in a relationship that has a purpose and has a future. You don't want to just be spinning your wheels. I don't want to say wasting your time but let's put it this way. If you're, if you're going to end up marrying somebody else, then years spent pursuing a woman who is not going to be your wife, maybe that is wasting your time. You know, you need to know, is this a friendship? In which case, yeah, you guys can be friends. But you need to know, where is this going? And I don't think that's an unreasonable thing for you to ask. I mean, you could ask it in a way that would be, let's say, hard to receive or, you know, just ask it in the right way is what I would tell right. you, but you need to ask it and you need to find and out. And you know what? Yeah, I had ahead. that conversation with her today, actually, uh, but I did ask her and she said that she didn't see where this relationship was going, um, but that she still wants to be friends and that she's my best friend. And, and I told her, I said, you know, I, I have to do what's best for me and there's a possibility of me, you know, going to date other people. And she said, you know, that's fine if you go date other people. I just want to be in your life. Mm. And she's, so she still wants to meet for coffee and stuff like that, even though I date other people. And to me, that just doesn't seem right in regards to, say, I do start dating somebody else. That I don't find that appropriate for me to be friends with a woman who I was close to at one point, you know, going to have coffee with her instead of giving my time to somebody who might be ready and looking for somebody who... Um, is exclusive at that point. Does that make sense? So I guess it's just a confliction of values. So I think she did give me an answer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, my answer would be if she is not willing to, you know, concretely move in that direction, I think you've got your answer. And that is okay. that. And, and I actually do agree with you, Nick. I remember, I'll just tell you a quick story, is that I had a friend in Hungary when, when I was a missionary over there. And I remember, you know, he was a guy who said, hey, I've got lots of friends who are girls, and I like the fact that I have, you know, 
these relationships with people who are girls, but they're not necessarily moving towards marriage or even dating for that matter. He just liked to be friends with them and meet up with them. And I told him, hey, you know, I, I like the idea, but in I understand that it works in theory, but I said what you're going to end up doing is unwittingly some of these relationships, because you're paying attention to these ladies, is that these are going to move from just normal friendships. This is going to move from platonic relationships. Somebody's going to fall in love with somebody else and get their heart hurt. Or the other thing that's going to happen is that when you do get married, guess what? Your your wife, your fiance, is not going to be okay with the fact that you just like meet up and hang out with other girls. Right. And that's okay. it's actually right. Some people say, oh, well, that's jealousy. Well, true love wants what it belongs to. It wants exclusivity, and it deserves exclusivity. So jealousy is only bad when it it is undeserved, so to say. Anyway, all gotcha. that to say, I think you got your answer. Um, I would just kindly tell this girl, you know, I, I can't do that. It's not fair to other people. And um, it's, I, I wouldn't put this on her, but I personally don't think it's even fair to you. Right. Okay. I got to let you go. Can I pray for you before you go? Please. Heavenly Father, pray for Nick in this relationship. Give him the right words. Give him the right wisdom, the right heart, the right tone to speak to this young woman. And Lord, I pray the best for her. And I pray the best for Nick, Lord, that you would lead him to that one who is the one that you would have him marry. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. And I'll be with you again on Monday here on Calvary Live. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.